Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Deshaun Reed, ready to get you set for the Raiders' final preseason game. The return to the Bay, they're coming back to play the 49ers in Santa Clara on Sunday. You guys sense any any emotion about coming back to the Bay? Is this a, I mean, it's a preseason game. We're not really going to see Derek Carr. We're not going to see the starters. So I don't know how, how big of a deal this is for the team that they're making their first return trip back to the Bay. I would say no. I'd say for the fans, I'm sure it's cool for the Bay Area fans to be able to see their, their old guys uh, once more. But for the players, I think they're kind of on, you know, the Vegas, kind of this all behind them. I think, like you said, a lot of key players won't play. So, uh the chance for a Divine Diablo to meet the old Bay Area fans. But other than that, that's about it. Yeah, I kind of wonder if they're going to get, because when we went to the Rams game last week, it was a pretty pro Raiders crowd. They got, came out to an ovation and they were getting cheers when they made good plays and stuff like that. And so I wonder like if the Bay would be, I know it's not quite, you know, Oakland, of course, but will it be any saltiness since they just left or will it be a warm welcome again? I'm kind of interested to see how the, how the fans react to, to the team coming back. Yeah, it's weird. I kind of figure they have more fans in LA than they than they might have in the Bay Area, just because they kind of own that market for so long, where they've they've never really owned the Bay Area market. Mm. Ooh, yeah. They're fighting words, Jimmy. Raider fans are gonna be mad. <laughs> fans are gonna be hot about that one. Do you think? Can you say they ever owned the Bay Area market? <laughs> I can't say that. Raider fans will say that. <laughs> well, speaking about fighting, remember they they stopped doing this series because there were so many fights between Bay Area fans initially. So you know, I wonder. What's the environment going to be like, you know, with the Raiders coming back? Well, it's a one o'clock kickoff. That's that, that what their shows are. That's on yeah, purpose. So they're trying to avoid <laughs> guys getting too drunk. But people might start drinking at nine. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, we had the Thursday night game a few years back, 2018 Thursday night game. That one, you know, I'm sure there was a few fights. I think there was a little bit, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't anything excessive. I, I mean, honestly, I think when they had all the fighting before and they decided to cancel it, I mean, that was them playing at like candlestick and, and playing at the Coliseum. Like those places kind of give up that, give off that grimy vibe. Whereas hey. I don't know, you get the Levi's and it's, it's just the little bit of a, of a more sterile vibe that, uh, I don't know. It doesn't quite lead to the fighting this much, I guess. I agree with that. It's, it's sterile. pretty sterile. I like that word. It's, just, it's a sterile stadium. See, am I, am I getting back on Raiders fans good side by calling Levi yeah. stadium sterile? Good job. Good job. There we nice go. Sir. Yeah, I mean, if you have a Thomas Keller restaurant attached to your stadium, then uh, <laughs> it's pretty sterile. Oh, the best thing you could say about Levi Stadium is it's there. It's newish. But um, anyways, uh, getting back to uh, a story from earlier in the week, uh, Vic, you uh, you set the world on fire on Monday morning with uh, the the news from, uh, from, from a few months back, from back in March at the Raiders. Tried to get Khalil Mack back. Um, 
it's funny because that you look at the reactions. We don't want him back. He's overpaid, or we do. Oh, I love Khalil. I miss him. Uh, kind of a range of emotions from people. But I, I you know, I, I like the way you framed it, where you actually think this paints John Gruden in a good light because he's like, I don't give a crap what you guys think about me trading him in the first place because I know everybody hated me for that in the first place. Like it, it paints him in a little bit of a good light that he was willing to. to to even try that to see if he can get him back. Yeah, I think John wants to win at all costs. I think, and, and obviously, he's losing patience. It's year four. I think he had one big financial bull to fire, and if it wasn't going to be in Gakwe for agency before that, is you know what? Let's see if the Bears have some salary cap trouble. Let's see if they have any uh, notions of maybe making a move and getting a Khalil back. So I thought it was a that was a good thing. I, I know people thought it was bad, but I thought it was interesting. I thought it showed um, that John doesn't really care about what people think. He just wants to win and. Obviously, still respects Mac as a player, and I think to me it also disposed the notion that, like back when this happened, I was like, "Oh, cool, Mac, this want to be a Raider." That was never the case. He never said that. That wasn't really the case. I think Mark, Mark Davis may have said that, but it was strictly a holdout. It got personal, and the Raiders panicked and made a trade. But obviously, Cleo Mac had said, "I don't want to be a Raider. Or I don't want to ever play for you guys or John Gruden." John Gruden wouldn't be making a call three years later. And say, hey, maybe we'll get Cleo Mac back if you guys are interested. So. To me, those two things I thought were kind of cool. I don't think it's a huge story, but I thought it was interesting. I thought it was kind of fascinating, just kind of the way you know, the world turns. It would have been a nice deal they got it done because the Bears paid his signing bonus already, right? So would the Raiders be getting a good deal with, with Mac if they made the trade? Well, definitely. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's similar. Uh, I forgot the top of my head, but I think it's similar to what they got given Gawker this year. Gawker got uh, two years, $26 million. So I think this year, I think it's like 14 for Khalil. Next year, it's more. So... Definitely the Bears paid most of it in the front end, but there's still a lot to come the next three years for, for Khalil. And he's restructured twice, so it's I, I don't know exactly, you know, he restructured again. I think he restructured last offseason. He restructured again this year. That's why it's only 14. So if he, they had traded for him, it wouldn't have been 14. It would have been in the 20s because it would have been pre-restructure. Um, so it would have it would have been a lot more than that 14 or so million. But you got to realize, these things are all financial. I mean, for Khalil Mack, it would have been... It's stupid for him, honestly, to, to come take the field in training camp and all that when the only thing he had guaranteed was that fifth season on that fifth year option. I mean, guys of his caliber don't play unless they have future guaranteed years. That's just how it works. And, um, you know, you, you don't have to like it as a fan, but that's just how it works. The chances of them actually getting him back, obviously, were, were minuscule, but I guess you can't make a shot if you don't take it. Like, like Vic said, I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing to try to get him back. I guess in a way you're kind of admitting you, you made a mistake, but I mean, people kind of criticize Gruden and, and Mayock for not doing that anyway, more, more so with their draft picks, like, you know, taking Cleed number four, or, you know, some of the first round picks that they've had, um, they kind of, you know, say that they're stubborn and they don't want to admit when they're wrong. And this is kind of a situation where it's kind of like, eh, maybe we shouldn't have got rid of that guy. And so, you know, being a little bit honest about it, I guess, obviously they didn't come out and, you know, ex- express that to the public and say it until Vic's story came out. But, you know, it just kind of shows, you know, Gruden, he's kind of, you know, whatever mistakes he might have made in the past, he's really just focused in on, on getting this thing right in the immediate future. All right. Well, as we look more toward this team, um, they, they're getting ready for Sunday. And, and Vic, you mentioned uh, Divine Diablo, uh, chance to see him, chance to see some of the younger guys. Was was anybody else uh, a little bit taken aback by his, his one quote where uh, he said his biggest surprise about the NFL was that you have to bring your A game every day. I mean, I, I think that would be uh, – is that kind of common sense? You get to the NFL, you you, you got to bring it every day? I give him an A for honesty. I mean, maybe you, think you bring it three <laughs> out of four days. Like one day, you know, I'm going to take it easy. Not easy. I'm going to go a little less than full volume today. But 
I think it was honest, but uh, I thought it was funny because he mentioned Garden Waller, and you know, I thought he had a, a good position and coverage. Then he got you know, got blown away and didn't realize how fast he was in person. So uh, they're high on the, on the kid. I think definitely that. I liked him out of college. I think he can play as good speed outside back. It was a safety in college, but they're pretty high on him. So hopefully for them, you can learn quickly. He's next to have some you know plays this week, and uh, you're ready to play a lot. I think uh, when the season starts. Maybe he was so dominant in high school and college that he, you know, he could bring those eighty percent days to practice, you know, every once in a while. And now when he gets to the league, he realizes, you know, if, if he's not a hundred, that he, he's going to get burned. So I like his potential too, but he, he missed so much time that it's tough to see how he's going to be able to contribute. And they probably need him too. I mean, with with the injuries that they have, with with you know Nicholas Moreau, uh, sound like he has a, a pretty serious foot injury, and uh, obviously Javon White. Um, even though he wasn't going to play heavy snaps or was even starting to make the team, but he's also out. You know, they don't have really too many proven options at linebacker outside of, you know, Corey Littleton. Nick Kwiatkowski, you know, he's coming back from injury as well, and so he's missed some time. And so I think there's going to be an opportunity where they might actually need him to play some snaps early in the season just due to, you know, having a lack of bodies. But, you know, it's been kind of hard to judge him just because we haven't really seen him. Um, you know, he's been around at practice and dressed out for the last couple of weeks, but he had never really participated in team drills until this week. And obviously, you know, as a linebacker, you know, you're not tackling. And, uh, you know, so it's kind of a little bit hard to judge them outside of pass coverage. But I think the biggest plus with him right now is he, he looks like a linebacker. You know, a lot of these guys that kind of make that transition from, from safety to linebacker, they look a little bit light. But, uh, you know, I think they say he's like 225, 230. And um, he looks like he's big and strong enough to kind of hold up in the box uh, full time, which is obviously what he'll be doing. And so that's a positive sign. But hopefully – you know, he, he's able to play this weekend so we can get a better look at what he looks like in live action. Obviously, we know the Raiders added a linebacker with Denzel Perryman. Uh, the trade with the Panthers, they uh, give up a sixth-round pick, get Perryman and a seventh-rounder back. I mean, I think this is not a, a mind-blowing trade. Uh, obviously, he, he went to Carolina on a two-year, $6 million deal in free agency, gets traded before ever playing a game after getting a multi-year free agent deal, was hurt, hip pointer injury, then he got his toe stepped on. He got a speeding ticket on his driving to training camp, uh, going 91 miles an hour, uh, but was uh, was kind of uh, was, gets there to training camp, but he's showing everybody a speeding ticket. So he gets a speeding ticket going to training camp, and uh, and then they speed him on out of there. Uh He's a guy that, I mean, depth piece, you know, he was always kind of a situational player for Gus Bradley with the Chargers. Uh, 45% of the snaps was the most he ever played in the season. So, you know, w- would start occasionally. And, and, you know, he's a guy that I think gives him a little bit of depth and, and knows the system. But other other than that, I mean, not a player to get hugely excited about. Yeah, he's definitely much needed. I mean, so Sean mentioned the injuries. And so he'll be able to, I mean, he'll be some time off. He has a, either a COVID screening. The play won't be uh, able to be the facility until Monday, I think. So as long as he's ready to be a backup for the opener, I think they're fine with that the timeline. Uh, it is kind of weird how fast you know his, uh, his welcome rug got pulled out from him in Carolina. They gave him a two-year deal for $6 million, uh, paid him $2 million in front, and then they pretty much just wanted them to go away. So they you know they eat $2 million. But like you mentioned, Gus knows him well. He knows the system pretty well. Uh, he's had some flashes before as a solid player, so. One interesting note that, I mean, I'm not getting too much into the whole vaccination thing, but he has been pretty outspoken as an anti-vaxxer, so I'm curious how that will play uh, with the Raiders, but that will be something we'll see once he, uh, once he arrives. And that alters his actual arrival, right? Because he's got to have, uh, he's got to have a process to, to, before he can report to the team. Watching Perriman throughout the years, he's always been a pretty solid player to above-average player when he's at his best. 
he's always played really well against the Raiders. So I, I think, you know, if he's healthy, he can contribute to this team. And, you know, especially when you're playing the Ravens, they're, they're so physical that having a line, a thumper like him could actually be beneficial. You know, I think this is a pretty good trade for the Raiders. You know, they got him for pretty cheap. And at least they have a guy that could be a backup that knows the system. The last note on Perriman, you know, we mentioned his two-year deal, but that second year is completely non-guaranteed. Is his $3 million salary. So um, it's just kind of a situation like last year when they uh, traded for Raekwon McMillan and it doesn't work out. They don't have any, any long-term commitment to him. Let's talk a little bit about Alex Leatherwood. Uh, Tashawn wrote a big feature about him. Uh, Ted kind of broke him down a little bit in, in one of his pieces this week. Uh, we'll start with you, Tashawn. I mean, getting a chance to talk to him uh, about a little bit more than just uh, football and kind of going through the grind. He found out some interesting things. The guy is uh, kind of admits to being a little bit of a nerd. Tom Cable called him a nerd. Um, likes to read, likes to journal. One thing that I found fascinating for a guy his size, he had to be talked into playing football. I mean, his, his brother, his dad, like, hey, you want to play football? Nah, not really. Finally got talked into it, and here he is, uh, you know, a first-round pick. You know, sometimes those kind of guys you get a little bit concerned about. Oh, is this, is this guy really really into it? He had to be talked into it. He, but uh, he, he seems like he's he's a very serious guy, very dedicated, and really wants to to prove that the Raiders made the right decision in taking him at 17. Yeah, that was something that going in, I, d- I didn't know about his backstory. I kind of just assumed, especially, you know, as a guy growing up in Florida, with Coach Howard is there, that football is kind of just what you do. Um, and given that he never really had played it, you know, on a team until then and grew into somebody who was a top five player in the country recruiting wise, was, was pretty incredible. But I, I talked to Charlie Ward, who I had connected with when I used to cover Florida State for us a couple of years ago, even before we kind of got to see Alex around and hear about how serious, what, serious he was in his demeanor. Charlie kind of talked about, you know, that's how he was as a high school kid. So he's got it pretty much from the jump, you know, even though he had pretty much no football experience when he started and um, had never really been in that setting before. He's, he's kind of been all business when it comes to this sport. And Charlie told me about it and put in the story, but like, you know, him going on recruiting visits to like places he's never been. And instead of going out at night, he's in his room doing homework to make sure that he can enroll early at Alabama. And so it's always been, you know, a pretty straightforward path for him. And so it kind of made it a little, you understood how he got to this point, you know, being a first round pick and a, and a rookie starter for the Raiders. And so, I'm sure he has another side where he relaxes a little bit, but he's he's a pretty serious guy, and uh, you know seems to be paying dividends so far for the Raiders. I mean, he's again, you know, it's preseason and his training camp, and it's kind of hard to you know, judge Lyman fully with a little bit of contact. But he's held up pretty well in, in, in the in the time that he's played, and he looked pretty good against the Rams in joint practices. You know, they tested him with Aaron Donald that one day that he practiced, and so it seems like at least he'll be a serviceable starter for the Raiders at right tackle um, this season. Which is you know, even though they had Trent Brown last year for you know like three games. You know, just having somebody that you know is there week in and week out, assuming that he's healthy, is you know a pretty big upgrade for them at that position. Yo, and then Ted, I mean, in watching the film of him, what was your big takeaway? Yeah, I think his intelligence and preparation, you know, is something that you see on film since he's at Alabama. Just you don't have to worry about him messing up assignments, and as far as you know, passing off stunts and understanding pressure schemes and that stuff, I think he's. He was always really good in, in that department. One of his weaknesses in college was his over-reliance on using his outside arm. And that would lead him susceptible to like cross chops and those sort of things. But so far in the preseason, it looks like he's really improved using his uh, inside hand and then countering with the outside hand. But again, these are not starting caliber pass rushers just yet. But it's still encouraging to see him you know, getting better at that specific technique so if he does get some playing time against the Niners 
I think the Niners are going to be playing their starters, so we might get to see him against a guy like D Ford or or possibly Nick Bosa, but we'll see him against some some guys that will actually play on Sunday. That'll be the uh, better test than what he's seen so far. You know, in terms of the handwork, how much do you think that is a factor of okay, if he's been over relying on that outside hand as a left tackle like he played before, well now he's over at right tackle. So when he over relies on that left hand, that becomes the inside hand. Is is maybe the the move to right tackle uh, was kind of a natural thing for him. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. I, I haven't played offensive line, so I don't know, you know, like how you know how um, you would feel using you know your strong hand more than your your weaker hand. But that's a definite possibility. Maybe he's a more of a natural right tackle. But we'll see if he can continue that improved technique when the this game speeds up a little bit more. I was going to say, how sad is it as a society that we're surprised the guy reads? We're like, oh, he reads. Whoa. Wow, that's awesome. Vic, what's your last book? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not going to talk. Only a book I, <laughs> only a book I finished in the last 10 years was the autobiography of, of Artie Lang, the uh, comedian, the cocaine and the Booker uh, Diaries. That's the only thing book I've read I finished in the last 10 years. But I used to read a lot when I was younger. I, I like how he brings up this topic. Like, he's this voracious reader. And like, no, no, no. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm part of the problem. I'm just saying that it's, it's kind of sad that, that we're all like, oh, my God, he reads books. One thing, I think, obviously, Leatherwood's going to be fine in the run game from day one. I think he's definitely a big mauler type. That should be an easy adjustment. The passing game, we'll have to wait and see how he does his first year. But one thing I think is weird, not weird, but it's like, Stuck in the back of my mind, like three times now, I've heard like Derek Carr said it twice, and I think a coach said it once that if he fails, it won't be because of a lack of effort. Which I think is just a weird thing to say about someone. Like, like why would you introduce that thought? Well, you don't have to bring your A game every day, man. You don't have. To- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think that's, that's a weird way of, of, of talking about a first round pick. But yeah, so far so good. Tom Cable obviously liked him a lot, and they're happy with him so far in camp. But I think the pass rush will definitely be his big test. And, uh, Ideally, he holds up more often than not, or else it'll be a longer year for Derek Carr than uh, they planned. All right. Our colleague, Ben Standig, uh, did his third annual agent survey. He talks to uh, a bunch of agents across the league and asks them uh, a series of questions and kind of gathers opinions. In part two of the survey, you can read this on The Athletic. Question five, what do you think of John Gruden's return to the Raiders three years into his 10-year contract? The answers are, are pretty predictable. Um you guys can read uh, read them all, but um, I'll read one of them. You know, remove the name and the glamorized image, and I don't see it. Where did this QB guru label come from? He had one year with another coach's players and got this huge deal. Can you imagine any other coach with his resume getting that 10-year deal? And I mean, you know, these are all arguments that I think we, we've heard, and and I think that's what, what points to how big this year is. I mean, they have shown kind of that incremental improvement, what, 4-12, and 12, to seven and nine to eight and eight incremental improvement nothing that you know deserves praise that's why this year's kind of the tipping point i think i mean if if you can continue the incremental improvement and and you're you know nine and eight ten and seven i gotta reconfigure my mind to think of these 17 game schedules but um, nine and eight ten and seven then okay you can say he's going in the right direction but if this turns into a, a four or five win season that really paints your image. I mean, so where are you guys at right now with the Raiders under Gruden going into what's a, really a huge year? As far as on the field, play calling and strategy, you know, I, I really like what Gruden's doing. I, I think he's one of the better play designers in, in the league. And he's really helped 
kind of work on some of the weaknesses Derek Carr has and and help to prove and prove him as a quarterback. So you know, I, I don't know what quantifies what a quarterback guru is, but I think he's definitely helped Derek Carr's game. I think the problem is just the front office stuff that's questionable. Some of those moves he's made, some of the guys he signed, some of the draft picks. Those are what's question. That's what's questionable. But I think the coaching side of things is pretty solid. You know, but he needs to get that defense fixed. You know, he's the ones hiring the defensive coordinators, so. Uh, that's also part of the the coaching part of this. I would agree. I mean, given, you know, what the on-field results have been just in terms of wins and losses, I don't think we would expect for reviews to be glowing at this part of his, of his tenure, you know. But as Ted said, you know, I, I mean, the worst thing you probably say about Gruden on the field is he tends to get conservative when it comes to, you know, going forward on fourth down or, or his red zone play calling. But, I mean, you can pick and choose with pretty much any coach and they have some some sort of weakness. But I agree that it's more so the, the personnel decisions, which is a big thing. I mean, that's part of the reason why he got that 10-year, $100 million, you know, reported deal is, you know, giving him full control of the team, essentially. I know Mike Mayock's the general manager, but, you know, obviously, you know, Gruden's making, making those final calls. And so um, whether it be the draft picks that haven't worked out that are high or, you know, some of the big money deals that they've thrown out, I mean, the point of tearing tearing down a team in your first year is obviously to get those high draft picks and trading away stars and accumulate that and free up all this cap space. You can't get all of that and then mostly miss, you know, with, with, with the results that you get, which is basically what's happened so far. Not to say that's going to always be the case, but given what, he, what's, what he's done in, in that role so far, I think the criticism is kind of warranted. I think that's a key point. I mean, you know, he blew up the roster when he got there. I think you looked at a team, if they were a playoff team in 2016, Obviously, had a step back 2017. They really got fired. So there still probably was enough talent there. You could have maybe not done a major rebuild, but John wanted to come in and put his own stamp on things. So it took you know, a couple steps back before they can take some steps forward. So they have made steps forward every year. I agree about Derek Carr improving under John Gruden. So this is definitely, um, this is like you've all said, this is kind of a do or die year for Derek Carr. Mike Mayock, more than it is for John Gruden. John Gruden's not going anywhere, but... Um, Everything points to this year as far as those two guys and their future. So I think it's kind of, I almost want to say playoffs are bust for those two guys. Yeah, you know, Gruden's in one of those spots where it's like, if he could just kind of understand like what his his specialty was, what he does really well, and, and Ted, like you've talked about, the play call and the play design. I mean, he's still a very good offensive coach. But, I mean, that's the way the NFL works. You know, when when you're in charge of one thing, you want to be in charge of more. And, I mean, some coaches are up to it, some are not. You know, I, I look at, at Denver, and I think of Vic Fangio, where if you talk to people around the league just about him as a defensive coach, I mean, he's considered just, I mean, as good as it gets in terms of a defensive coordinator. But then you look at his overall body of work in Denver, and his game management's terrible. Um, you know, there's questions about how he kind of handled the, the quarterback competition this offseason and waiting so long to make a decision, all that. Like, him as a head coach, there's a lot of stuff to criticize, but him as like a defensive coach is about as good as it gets. Obviously, Gruden is not going to be one that's going to like, okay, I'll step back. I'll just coach the, you know, I'll just coach the team. It just goes to show that sometimes like taking on more than what you're an expert at is not necessarily the best for your organization. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's move on to some questions here before we get out of here. Uh, we'll start with this one from Mash A. Question, honestly, how does this defense look versus past years? They got to play a game, right? They got they got to play a game. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, I have no idea, but uh, it's clearly they addressed the pass rush. I think there's no question. And Gakwe's been a, a nice fresh, breath of fresh air. Mass Crosby's in great shape. Those two are kind of pushing each other. So uh, I think Nassim's been good in, in terms of a backup of pass rusher. So it should be fine. I think in terms of the pass rush, we're just saying a lot for them based on the previous years. But uh, yeah, run defense, question mark. Depth, question mark. Uh, secondary, still a question mark. Even though I like Merrick a lot, but who knows how the other guys are going to take a step up or not. So uh, I think on paper it's better, but we don't really don't know how much better until, like you said, until the real game start. Yeah, I think they play like three defensive starters in each of the two preseason games so far. So, I mean, like, who knows? I mean, at this point, like we're all just kind of guessing. I try not to overreact too much to training camp in the preseason, but – um, you know, like you're saying, on paper, they look better. But I don't know. I guess we probably could have said that last year, too, with some of the free agent signings that they made. Uh, they solved so. the linebacker position last year. Come yeah, that's going to be their first. Yeah, solved. Yeah, like, the first year. Like, legit linebackers. Yeah, the first year in two decades with some linebackers. So, like, I, don't, I don't know. Like, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's a little bit early to make that call. Plus, they had the, don't forget the, they had the key to the defense last year also. That was a big addition last year. Oh, uh, yeah. All right, question here from Aaron B. I read Vic's article where he stated that Javin White was on the roster bubble before his injury and was curious as to the reason for this. It would seem like he was one of our better outside linebackers for depth, at least. Well, my reason was that uh, you had the top three guys, right? You had Morrow, Littleton, Kwiatkowski, and you had Diablo, the third-round pick this year. He's not going anywhere. There's four guys right there. I'm guessing you want to keep five linebackers. I think you have a lot of D linemen, a lot of uh, secondary guys. So the fifth lineman... Was probably going to be in use, I thought. Third round pick last year. He's definitely a special teams guy. Uh, Gruden's mentioned the White's not been great on teams so far. Obviously, made more plays in defense, but that was my question mark. Was, was one of those two guys not going to make it? So I thought it was fair to say it was in the bubble. You don't use that many linebackers in this league anymore, so you don't keep you don't keep that many. You don't keep six linebackers. Is he potentially a practice squad guy? He was last year. I mean, White, so I would imagine, you know, if they got him stashed last year, they probably in the back of their minds, like, you know what, I probably can do that again. And then you can call those guys up and down now with a new rule. So he might have made it. He definitely made some plays on defense. I just think that um, I think it's clearly, in the coach's mind, used better on teams, which I think is probably a bigger need for that last linebacker spot. So that was why I see it was in the bubble. But uh, he played well. I was not trying to, uh, you know, give me uh, any hate. All love. The fact that Gruden, it was kind of surprising. We all, the way, the way we saw him react to the injury, carted off crying and all that, we kind of figured that that meant ACL and Gruden called Morrow's injury, uh, uh more serious. Um, so, but uh, the thing is with Javin White, even if he is, his is like a two month injury, the only way you can come back later in the season from being on injured reserve is to make the 53 
And a player like him, if, if he's like a, a fifth, sixth linebacker type, I, I, I would not imagine the Raiders put him on the 53 IR him after Tuesday um, to make him eligible to come back. So, I mean, he's probably in that position where, like, even if the injury is not serious enough to be season-ending, my guess is he probably ends up on season-ending IR. Yeah, could be another Tanner Muse like last year. Yeah, you stash him, and you like you've seen enough in two years here that you like him. You want to keep him in the organization. You say, "Sorry, man, we got to IR you. You're, you're going to miss this year, but you know, we'll see what you can do in uh, 2022." All right, uh, from Benjamin H. Looking back on the draft, it seems miraculous that Trayvon Merrick was still available in the second round. Are you seeing any sign of the injury issue that supposedly called caused him to fall out of the first round? It was what a back injury, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's thinking back. I don't remember him missing a practice during either mini camp or training camp off the top of my head. So I would say no. I mean, like, he looked fine to me. He's been making plays pretty consistently throughout camp. They played him pretty significant, significant snaps in these preseason games. And so I feel like if there was any concern about injuries, the way that they've handled barely playing starters in the preseason, that he just wouldn't be out there, even though he's a rookie. So. I haven't seen anything that would make me think so. Yeah, I was surprised he fell in the second round. I know Sean and I both had him as our top safety. Um, obviously, the Raiders got lucky that um, something happened. Some teams were concerned about his back injury. He slipped a little bit, and they were able to make a trade up and get him. So I thought it was the best move of the offseason. I think so far I've, I've liked a lot what I've seen. I think he's a uh, true center fielder. They haven't had that in a long time. He makes plays in the ball. So I, I, if I was a Raiders fan, I'd be very excited about him as far as just giving him something he hasn't had in a long time all right question here from jeremy p i haven't seen a lot of smiling from gruden at these pressers what's your sense of his mood and is there any particular reason for the sullenness here lately vic he just loves looking at you i think uh yeah i think you i how come you can't bring a smile to gruden's face that's a good question you would think he'd be, he'd be happier because there's less access this year he's not talking with his often there's no like interpersonal stuff it's all just press conferences and not that many at that, so uh, I think it'd be happier. Like, the locker rooms are closed. You can definitely control the message, so uh, I don't know why he's not in a better mood. Maybe it's the pressure. Maybe, like you said, he realizes this is the year it has to happen, and uh, they have a huge decision coming up on Derek Carr and his contract, so this is really – got to not only see it as a good year and progress from last year, but it's like a $130, 50000000 million decision they got to take. got to give him a new contract, so maybe the stress is, is wearing him down. Maybe it's the heat or the smoke in the air. Maybe uh, Wayne Newton isn't doing any live shows right now, so I don't know. But uh, I don't think it's me or I don't think it's our fault, but uh, it might be. I don't know, maybe he wants more questions from me. I don't know. He's, he's not getting as many as he, as he normally let's work does. On that. Let's, let's get him from next time. Let's, let's, let's tag, tag team him. All right. From uh, Tim O, I was surprised to hear Greg Olson talk about the wide receiver group being one of the toughest to decide who to keep. Are John Brown and Willie Sneed in danger of being cut for one of the rookies? Yeah, which rookie? Which undrafted free agent sneaking back in there? <laughs> Keelan Dawes. No, not, Let not Keelan Dawes. No. Dylan Stoner, baby. Uh, Marcel, Aitman, Marcel Aitman got mobbed for his touchdown, got a podium game, and then got sent out of town. Well, I think that was kind of – it might have been you know, uh, a package deal. They might have – they might have known that was coming. It seemed like that was a nice little way to send them we're off. Gonna, we're going to get you a TD. Yeah, ran, ran, uh, he said they, they ran me a play. They told me this place for you. They got all picked out. Derek Carr was in the end already waiting for him to celebrate. But um, Marcel's a great guy. He definitely, definitely uh, made some plays over the years. He was a good uh, good Raider. But um, hopefully he gets a chance to go on and hook up somewhere else. But back to your question, 
I thought the six guys were kind of a lock because Willie Smead was the veteran guy, a leadership guy, a good slot player. I thought the first five spots were locked up already, so he was the sixth guy. But I think Stoner's played well. I think um, I don't watch the all 22 of preseason film. I mean, I had trying to like you know, have a life at some point but those who do well, we're waiting they, they don't have it they're not they're Wait, not what are you, say, you saying about they're... me exactly yeah. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you caught that i'm glad you caught that one but um i'm 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 told that on two of the play like one played each of the last two games where the old line the back of the line got blown up and the play got destroyed i'm told stoner was running wide open down the side on two of those plays so might have had two touchdowns if things had been a little differently so i think the coaches do you yeah. like him a lot? I don't think he's too. I, I I said he was in, but I said now nah, he's out. Now I'm like, hey, he might be back in. So I'm not sure if that would be for Snead or Brown, or if they try to keep seven guys and have him maybe be the uh, the punt returner. But um, I think he's still in the mix. That's why I think Ole said that. I think Ole uh, likes him also. I think the coaching staff is pretty high on, on the kid. Throwing out a lifeline for uh, Dylan Stoner. You've given us something to watch on Sunday. We're going to be watching Dylan Stoner. Anytime the pocket collapses and there's no time to throw, we're going to be looking to see Dylan Stoner (laughs) running up and down the field. We used to have the Arden Key almost sacks, which we might get get to see that on on Sunday. Instead of the Arden Key almost sacks, we're going to see the Dylan Stoner almost touchdowns where he's wide open, but they can't get the ball. Maybe he can't get the touchdown because Arden Key is getting into the backfield. That'd be a great story. That'd be a great story. So we got we got three things to watch. We got Diablo, we got Stoner, and we got Arden Key. What a game! I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it's sounding less and less like we're going to be able to watch Marcus Mariota, though. And so, a question here from Steve Z: Could Mariota be a surprise roster cut since he's been too injured to play in either of the first two preseason games? And then, you know, there was, seemed to be some uncertainty talking to Greg Olson about whether or not they're going to be able to get him out there on Sunday. What's that gift where a Batman slapping hell out of Robin back and forth, where he's slapping him across the face? That's what I'm doing with that question. I'm not going to cut Mariota. Come on, man. They did all this work to keep him here in the offseason. I think he's a great backup. I think the reason you don't play him is because in his two years here, he's been injury prone. So why would you risk that against you? You say the Niners can play a top defense. I don't want him facing a top defense. I don't want that. If you're too scared to pay your backup in a preseason game, I, I mean, I get that. that. That would be the argument. If you're too scared to put your backup quarterback into a preseason game. Too scared or too smart? Maybe I right, see. I got, I got, that's why I got, that's why I paid Peterman a million dollars. Peterman can take all those hits. That's his job. That's why he, that's why he earned his money. He takes 12 quarters of hits in the but preseason. See, if you, but you take, you keep those three QBs, then you can't keep Dylan Stoner. Ah, uh, that's a good point. But, uh, 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 I don't know. I'm not sure about that. But uh, to answer the question, there's no way they cut Mariota. I think um, they went through too much the offseason with the uh, you know, contract, the uh, pay cut, and they wouldn't hit free agency. I think um, he's a great locker room guy. I mean, I think he's, he's fine. As long as John Gruden is running this team, nothing will surprise me, though. All right, final question here from Greg L. The national media, as usual, effing media, has been pretty down on the Raiders this, this season. Do you guys agree that they are the fourth best team in the AFC West? Chiefs, obviously, number one. You've got the Chargers, excitement around Justin Herbert. Broncos have a, a really top-flight defense, or at least the makings of one, with a great secondary and and some pass rushers, and we'll see what they do offensively now that Teddy Bridgewater is the QB. I don't know. I mean, the Raiders are definitely uncertainty. I mean, I think it's a logjam for that number two spot. I think it'd be a pretty competitive division. 
So, I mean, it's, it's not impossible that they could end up being the fourth team, but like I probably wouldn't pick them to be there. But I think all those teams would be pretty close record-wise. You know, like, uh, I think the Broncos are probably the one where I would slot them fourth just because I think their offense is going to be pretty pretty terrible this year. Um, You're just mad that they didn't pick Drew Locke. Hey, Come man. on. They're probably going to be – just bitter. Hey, they're going to be pretty terrible on offense either way. They just should have had a Mizzou guy started. But anyway, like the Chargers, you know, on paper, like they look great. But like we said about the Chargers, like – Half the years out of the last decade, I feel like, and it doesn't work. They're actually out healthy though this year. They have yeah, for now. Injuries. Brandon Staley has like not let any starter play. They had, they had they went through all of OTAs without doing any eleven on eleven work. Like they have like they have basically put everybody in bubble wrap. So then come week one, they're all they're suddenly going to ta- have to take hits, and we'll see how they survive that. Yeah, so I feel like every team outside of the Chiefs has some pretty significant questions, and their season could go either way in pretty dramatic ways. So like. I think they're all pretty close. Like I, I kind of consider them even at the number two spot, to be honest. Yeah, I don't get why the Broncos are getting so much love. I think the Broncos, um, Philly, to me, are the fourth best team, I think. The defense, obviously, is pretty good. But uh, Teddy Bridgewater, eh, I mean, uh, was... And then uh, Vic Fangio, like you said, really not a good coach. I mean, I saw last year all the examples, game day stuff, where the games against the Raiders made some horrible decisions. I just think um, a good defense coordinator, but overmatches a coach. Definitely falls down my list of the all, on the all Vic teams that went down the rankings pretty quickly. The Chargers, I think Justin Herbert. I mean, people, I know that through the national media, they love that guy. He's great, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go a step down this year. I think there might be some growing pains in year two for him. So I think there's definitely a, a pretty decent shot where this could be the second best team in, in the division. I mean, if you look at the Broncos, their roster is stacked up and down, but they have a huge hole at quarterback, obviously. But I mean, if they if you look at their offense, you know, they got Noah Faint. They have Sutton back. Noah Faint's the first guy you name? I mean... I'm, I'm just whew. reeling off their, the talent they have on offense. But, yeah, Faint's not the top guy. But they have Sutton back, Judy coming to his second year, Tim Patrick, Hamler. Their offensive line's improved with Munchuk. We know about the defensive talent. But, yeah, just that quarterback position is just really shaky. Um, but, I mean, just as far as the, the media part of that question is concerned, I, you know, I just don't think that the Raider fans should be too concerned about people hating on the Raiders just because they have not had a lot of success in the last 20 years. So, you know, until they start winning and proving themselves, don't worry about what the, what the media is going to say. You know, it's just it's just the way it is when you lose that many games. Don't kid yourself, man. Raider fans love that stuff. They live for the national media ripping them. They like pour beers in their heads. They get all fired up and start yelling at the TV. They love that stuff. They actually would be I mean, miserable if they weren't getting bad press from the national media, but um, I'm a little alarmed by your list of Broncos. You were Noah Fant one, and you had Tim Patrick was the third guy you named. I'm supposed to think... I think fourth guy. Fourth guy? Je- he went, he went Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. Hey, Fant's going to be pretty good this year. They've got a good supporting cast on offense, just they don't have anyone to get him the ball. But I know they're really excited about the, the second round uh, uh, running back they got, Javante Williams out of North Carolina. They're really excited about him. Um, you know, and they've got Melvin Gordon, who's, you know, He's a guy. He's a guy. I, mean, exactly. they, He's I know a guy. they're really they're really excited about Javante Williams. So um, we'll see. But I think one of the reasons the Broncos get a lot of love is just like I think media wise, people love the Vic Fangio defense, and so like it's the combination of the Fangio defense and then George Payton, their GM, their new GM who came over from uh, uh, Minnesota, very highly thought of as well. So I think a lot of it's the combination of like people really respect the, the new guy who's building that team, and they really expect, respect that defense. And it's the kind of the charge is like, okay, whoever's quarterbacking, just don't fuck it up. And we'll see. All right, guys. Well, Raiders back in the Bay at the 49ers on Sunday. Uh, will be the first time ever that all four 
hosts of the State of the Nation podcast are actually in the same building. So it should be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys all on uh, on Sunday. Uh, should we do like a photo session for fans outside the press box and come and take a picture of us four together? Autograph session? <laughs> autograph or, session? Uh, autograph session? Like, what would we charge? Five bucks each for uh, for autographs and, and photos? That and, seems uh, fair. <laughs> everybody who brings Tashaun a beer gets Ooh, a photo uh... and an autograph. <laughs> a beer, a dog, and a um, and a uh, medium rare steak. Medi- medium medium rare steak. There we go. Beer, dog, and medium rare steak, and uh, and, and maybe uh, offer baseball tickets. Uh, oh, anybody geez. who does that, you guys want me to leave get- the game? Yeah, I'm, I'm get the hell out of there pregame. Uh, all right, guys, we'll see you all on Sunday. Should be fun. All right, see ya later, guys. Adios.